is the Stagger Podcast. Welcome to the Stagger Podcast. I'm J.D. Smith. My brother Derek Smith will be joining us in just a second, but we have a special guest for you this week. I have for you about an hour-long conversation that we had earlier this week with our buddy Ryan Broughton. Ryan Broughton is a sprint car driver in the state of Ohio, one of the hubs for sprint car racing, winged 410 sprint car racing in the country. It's one of the hotbeds, and he is one of the local drivers there who is pretty successful, has a lot of good runs there. And so we wanted to pick his brain, talk about the upcoming season, just talk about sprint car racing in general, and kind of got into all the different kinds of things. Talked about some of the guys he's raced against, talked about some of the safety measures that are in place now, different things about just putting these cars together, why they do certain things that they do. And we even talked a little bit about the Bristol dirt race and what it's going to be like to run the sprint cars at upwards of maybe 160 plus miles an hour on the high banks of Bristol. You don't want to miss this. I hope you enjoy it. And I hope it gets you ready for the upcoming local track season. If you're living in Ohio or wherever you live, hope we'll inspire you to get out to your short tracks and watch those guys race. But here you go. Our buddy, Ryan Broughton, right here on the Stagger Podcast. Ohio sprint car racing, Ryan, you can speak to this. I mean, it's it's not just a thing in Ohio. Like, I mean, drivers come from all over literally the world to run these tracks in Ohio and Pennsylvania and Indiana. So this, this part of the country is a real, you know, hub for sprint car racing, right? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when you're looking at sprint car racing in the United States, you really have got three to four hotbeds of areas, Ohio being one of those. And you also got California, Pennsylvania, and the upper Midwest, kind of the Knoxville, Iowa area where Knoxville is located. And Ohio is one of those big four regions where people from, like you said, all over the world, uh, Australia, New Zealand, come over to race during the summer for Speed Week. Um, we have kids from California coming in every summer to drive cars around here for Speed Week and spend the summer in Ohio to race and try to make their way to that next level of uh, whether it's the next level sprint car racing or if they're trying to get to NASCAR or whatever else. Yeah, mm-hmm. for people who don't know, and, and Derek, I know you know this stuff too, but uh, this this guy who's on uh, Fox now, Jeff Gordon, I believe is his name. <laughs> That's he's one of those California kids yeah. who came out here famously many years ago. And uh, I know that Millstream up in uh, Finley, but they had a trivia night and they were talking about what driver came here at 14 years old sitting on phone books and, you know, <laughs> beat the field. And it was Jeff Gordon. And that was one of the races. They actually I think that track and some other ones banned him. Because they're like, oh, you're too young to race. And it was like, well, they only did yeah. that after he kicked everyone's ass. That's that's when they banned him. <laughs> that was part of the reason he came to Ohio, uh, California at the time. And I think it's still this way with the 410s. You had to be 16 to race a 410 sprint car. Um, and nobody out there would allow him to. And, and their best option, they moved to Indianapolis and uh, raced around here locally to get him a start. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was the situation they're in. And you still see that to an extent to this day with guys like Buddy Kofoid and some others coming in from California who are – on that young side i guess what's the driver that when you show up to say let's attica or any any track like that you walk around the the pit area and you're like oh dang he's here or she's here what's one of those drivers that you've kind of <laughs> not known that they're here and you're like oh cool i get a race against them tonight um from from outside of this region um i've seen a lot of guys coming from california uh dj netto um buddy kofoids came in a lot lately and ran locally uh he kind of became more of a regular fixture in ohio um, that's one name that's on a, where I'll be hearing a lot from probably eventually. Um, the Selzy boys, Dominic yep. and Gio, um, mm-hmm. whenever they come into town, uh, Gio is, is a real hot shoe. And you see him in the pits, you know, you got your hands full. Cause he's, 
he's a gasser. He's really good. Yeah. Um, and Dominic's turned into one heck of a sprint car racer too. Um, he's been at it for, for quite a bit of time and he's, they're carrying on that salesy name. Um, yeah. pretty entertaining. Yeah. Um, so usually when you get guys from California coming in, it's always kind of a shock. Like, all right, let's see what these boys got. You know, they're, they're yeah. on our turf now, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's one thing with sprint car racing. There's no entry list. There's no real barrier to entry during any race. So, Usually, like Fridays, we're looking around, all right, who pays the most this weekend? Where's the best place to go? Where are we going to drive to? Mm. Um, we usually have three or four choices every night, depending on weather or whatever else. So yeah. everybody else has those choices. It's kind of, it's kind of a crapshoot when you show up the track, who's going to be there? You're kind of right. playing a guessing game a lot of times. Right. Yeah. Have, well, have you, you got you to do a guessing game with that. You got to do a guessing game with how the track's going to be, you know, as far as preparation. And every track has its quirks as far as you know, the way it's built, the, you know, the banking that's built into it. And then of course, how it's prepped. Some of them, you know, they're very slick. Some of them, it, it, <laughs> they turn into a dust bowl very quickly <laughs> and rubber up real quick. Some of them don't. So yeah, I can't imagine all the calculations that go into it for you guys. How, how do you guys handle that when you show up? I mean, what are you looking for when you see the track for the first time? Are you looking to see like how much they're, you know, watering it down or, you, you know, yeah. what, what do you look for when you first get there to say, all right, here's what we're going to have to be dealing with today when we put our car together and figure out what we want. Yeah. So usually we set up the track probably two to two and a half hours before we ever, the car ever gets on the track. Um, sprint car racers were pretty notorious for uh, showing up early. So as soon as I get to the track, I'll go up and walk up and take a look around, see what the surface actually looks like. Um, Typically, you know, you're looking for it to be dug up, the dirt to be um, dug like a plowed field almost, like like a farm, where they've dug it up um, to allow moisture to soak into the track to kind of give you an idea of, of what the track's going to do that night. And, and some tracks are better than others at this. Sometimes you show up and they'll be really well-prepared, well a lot of moisture on them, um, ready to go, just need to be ran in. Um, and other times you'll show up and there's not a drop of water on the track and it looks like farm dirt and you're you're hoping your tire bill isn't isn't outrageous and that's when everybody goes yeah you guys are worried about your tire bill all the fans in the stands are like oh i guess i do have to wear my mask and i'm gonna need you know sunglasses (laughs) goggles goggles like because it's just gonna be a dusty dusty night of the track y'all you you hope the wind's blowing the right way when you're at certain tracks i guess you put it that way i believe eldora has the patent on not because they don't prep a track but just because things happen they have the patent on the koozie that comes with the flap on top so <laughs> they keep do your dust out of your beer <laughs> i love that that's the first i'd never seen that invention but and i first time i went to a, a sprint car race and i saw someone had one where the koozie had a flap to go over the top of the can i thought why the hell would anybody want that that seems like that would get in the way of drinking the beer and then 10 minutes in you're like oh that's that's why they don't <laughs> that's why because i just tasted like the the 15s blown motor that is now sprayed right. up in the dust up into my uh, my mouth, yeah. <laughs> Donnie shots blow a motor in your race. That's pretty interesting. It doesn't yeah. really happen to that guy. Well, you know, man can dream, right? You know. <laughs> so you guys get to the track. I'm just kind of want to walk through a little bit of what it's like to own a car, because obviously, so you drive the car, but you, Correct. you and you and your family also own the car. So yeah. before you ever get to the track, you know, you're working a day job. You're you're a you're a what I would say more of like a, a throwback kind of racer in that. Sure. This is what racing used to be. Families, guys working, would get their stuff together on the weekends and at night, show up to the track and do their best to go, you know, put on a good show. But now a lot of it is, like you said, guys are being flown in from all over the country. Nothing against that. But there are a lot of teams that you're competing with where 
that is the the that driver's main goal that whole week was just getting his car ready and just being ready mm-hmm. for this race when you've had to do other things so what does it look like for you guys what are you what are these local teams the 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 people who are really the backbone of the sport what are you guys doing day to day to get your car ready when the season's coming up let's say Sure. So like you said, I mean, a lot of these guys at the 410 sprint car level are doing this for a living, whether they're mechanics, drivers. um, This is how they put groceries on the table. So they're racing for uh, a whole different level of what they're looking for than what I am out of it. Um, So each weekend we're sitting there looking at like, all right, where can we go make the most money at? Where can we have best chance of running well? Um, based on who's going to be at the track that night, whether it's going to be a local show in Ohio, if the All-Stars are in town somewhere, if the Outlaws are somewhere. Um, you know, And there's certainly times where we'll look at it and we'll see, okay, there's going to be 40 cars, 50 cars at this place, and they're going to be some of the hottest shoes in the country. We'll go run this 2000, 3001 local show and have a little more fun and not, not have all the pressure that you'll have that <laughs> night. Um, having said that, I like to get out there and race with the best you know, as much as possible, we try to run 10 to 20 all-star races a year. It just makes you better, but there's certainly nights where you got to look at it and say, okay, I'm not going to go to this place. And, um, you know, our, our, our weekends and our weeks are a lot different than these guys. Like you said, they're spending all week, uh, Monday through Friday, eight to five. That's their day job is getting the race car ready to go race. Um, my day job is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a software engineer, so I'm at a desk for part of the day when I'm off work. Um, get over to the shop, over to dad's, um, do whatever help he needs over there. Um, getting trailer ready, tires dismounted, um, engine maintenance, any type of maintenance on the car. But our window to get all that done is, is a lot shorter than these guys who are doing it for, for a living. Um, and that makes it sometimes tricky to run as many races as you want to, you know, we, we would love to run two times a weekend, every single weekend, if not three, if possible. Um, Sometimes on Fridays, you know, working till three or four o'clock, it can be challenging to get to Attica or some other places. Um, so that 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 is definitely a challenge trying to to get as many races as these guys in too. And these cars, they're so the speed and the violence with them. It's just something that you have to race so much to to be competitive in. I mean, if, if you're going out there and half-assing this and running 10 races a year out there having fun, you're not going to be competitive when the all-stars come to town. You might get away with it at a local show, but when the big boys are in town, you're not going to be ready. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. You're right. Like there, a lot, I think a lot of times for us as race fans, you know, you see, Oh, well, Dora's got $50,000 to the winner, hundred thousand dollars to the winner. And you think, Oh man, every driver around the, you know, around the five, six state area is going to want to be there. But you're right. Like the economics of that, it's like, well, number one, you got to go be competitive with drivers that are doing this much more often. And, you know, some of those guys are racing like sim racing all week too, to get prepared for this. And they're running seven, six races in a week. Then on top of that, they've got equipment that's just going to be in a better place because they are on a bigger budget and all that. So it sometimes doesn't make sense necessarily to go drop in and say, all right, I'm going to go try to see what I can do against Tony Stewart or Donnie shots and, and all that. <laughs> like, it's right. cool. It's cool and to get the chance to do that. I can't imagine racing against some of your heroes like that, but the reality yeah. is it might help you with the tire bill. If you can go out there and, you know, go finish, you know, on the podium at a local show that's paying out a little bit more for, or has, you have a little bit better chance to be competitive there. That's an interesting thought. Right. And one thing like Eldora with the Kings Royal, there's a lot of flack that local racers in Ohio will get because we don't really support the Kings Royal in those big races to the extent that a lot of the fans would like to see. And 
it's not really an equipment thing. Most of the, the top local shoes in Ohio, we have the same level of equipment as anybody in the Outlaw or All-Star Tour. Okay. The quality of engines, the quality of shocks, they're basically the same. The difference is those guys have three or four guys who are working full-time their cars, running out of a 50-foot NASCAR operation with four motors instead of two or six <laughs> motors instead of two. Well, that's what I was going to say. How many, they, how many spare cars do you have in the back of your trailer when you wad one yeah. up in the heat race? <laughs> that's exactly. Like, that's, yeah, that, that's it, right. I mean, that might be it for a few weeks. Yeah, and you and, saw that. I think you saw that at Waynesfield the night you were there. I think Reitzel dumped it big time in hot laps when absolutely. I pulled the car down. And, oh, you know, that was the out. funniest thing. Aaron Reitzel was one of the, you know, again, one of the bigger drivers on the sprint car circuit and, and he he did in a heat race flipped it over three or four times and i mean not only he even got his car flipped back over onto all four wheels and he was out of that thing and running back to the trailer and he just had arms akimbo just fly like shouting instructions and you saw all these dudes in matching shirts come hustling around and 10 minutes later they had a car out on the track or at least you know getting prepped to go out on the track and that's not yeah. something that local racers can do that's exactly right uh, I was just going to say, I remember you inviting us into your lounge to watch that. I was watching on the, <laughs> yeah, from the, or the top of your trailer, right? I mean, you yeah, the lounge, the, we were right? in the hauler lounge. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just enjoying some. You got some, your flat screens in there. Yeah. Your, flat you know. screens. There. I mean, that's what you had, right? I mean, it's, just, it, it's funny. I mean, I mean, and, and you trust me, you've got a great setup for um, getting out to tracks, and, and that's the thing. But this is why I think all race fans, it, we, we have a lot of IndyCar fans, NASCAR fans, IMSA fans. This is how every one of those series started out. And I love the fact that while it would be nice to have a 50 foot trailer in the, in the driver lounge on the gooseneck, um, it's, it's good. It's good to be able to have uh, the ability to have some connection to your roots, connection to fans yeah. to sit there. I mean, I know there's, there's definitely people that have been fans of, of watching racing and then got with together with a few buddies or the dad or someone and said, Hey, what's it cost to get at one of these uh, dirt trucks going and boom, now you have a feeder series because yep. fans are able to see a connection to say, I'd love to have a shop in Morrisville, North Carolina. I'd love to have one or two cars. And that, that, that if I hit the lottery, that's what my plan is, is to get a shop in Morrisville <laughs> and call up Ryan Broughton and say, Hey, you want to run some <laughs> asphalt tracks? And I mean, yeah. that's, that, that's the plan. Right. Um, yeah. But that's not a reality for a lot of people, but running a dirt truck program at your local short track, that's totally a reality for a lot yeah. of people. If you want, if you want to take the risk of driving and and the commitment of doing it for twenty races a year, fifteen races a year, yeah, it's great. Yeah, for people who who want to get a, a chance to race, there are a lot of opportunities out there at these local short tracks all over Ohio, all over the country, for more affordable options to go racing. You know, four ten sprint cars not advisable if you want an affordable <laughs> option to go race. It's <laughs> it, it's not for not for the weak. Um, I don't doubt there's it. There's three hundred five yeah. sprint cars, like you said, the dirt trucks stuff that um, you can get into for you know, the price of a used car, a used street car and, and go race and have fun every weekend. So, mm, yeah. Well, and that's, those. that's one other thing I'd like to point out for people who may, may not fully understand the appreciation that I think dirt car fans or just local racing fans have with the local drivers is like, we love watching this sport, but we're invested in it in the level that we're paying 30 bucks maybe for tickets and pit passes, or, you know, we buy some merch when we go, but I mean, for less than $100 a weekend, most racing fans can go to their local track and, and be a king. I mean, you can get a couple shirts, you can get some, you know, pit passes, you can get plenty of food, beer, whatever you want. But like for the racers, I mean, you guys are putting in a lot more of that, also your time, and it's like a second full-time job. Oh, and then you have to go run the races, you know? And so like, I think there is that level of appreciation that you don't see with 
other forms of racing or certainly like pro sports where, I mean, I know LeBron James is going to go play basketball or, 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 you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to go play football because he gets paid millions of dollars to do it. It's not like a question that these guys are going to want to go out there or someone's going to want to go do that. But if all the local racers just one day were like, it's too much work, it's a headache, I'm done, you know, like we would just we just wouldn't have as many races to go to. So I think there is that level of appreciation that a lot of fans have to realize is as much as sometimes we may not like a guy on the track for doing something or any of that, like literally these like most like you said, most local tracks are supported by the moms and dads and and families who who get these cars to the racetrack along with the guys who are driving them and you know it is truly a family operation i know that's your guys situation as well is it's your racing team is is your family so i think that's a a cool appreciation that most fans have at least i certainly do there's one thing there like there's a, a level of respect among the drivers especially between each other you know you cannot like somebody you get in get into him on the track but there's still that level of respect there that you know how difficult this sport is um and you, you know they're busting your ass just as hard as you are for the most part and there's that just that that respect there between drivers you know there's a kind of a brotherhood there the way we talk to each other and stuff it's just we don't get involved with the fan drama with talking bad about drivers this and that i actually got to witness uh a, i think it was the attica 410 dust up in one of the the heats or the you know, a feet, like it was still daylight, broad daylight out. So it wasn't the A main. And I remember a guy basically, you know, didn't total the car, but he had to go buy a new part. I think it was one of the rails on the side, on the, on the, the outside of the car. Anyways, uh, one of the guys in a cutoff in jeans, you know, family operation took the part and threw it at the other guy's car chief or crew chief. And they had a little dust up and the guy ended up getting pushed. His glasses flew off his head. And I'm not kidding. Five minutes later, they were at the parts truck talking it out with, you know, more of a calm, you know, disposition. But they they had to both stand in line and get the Wait. parts. They just broke and they, they had to go sit there and they yeah, had it out. The part, you got to go to the same parts. <laughs> but they got to go to the, the, right. the parts truck and buy the parts to make the A. And, That's the uh, thing. You, you get a dust up with somebody and you'll be racing with them the next week or all summer long. because there's only so many of us around here. Yeah. So right. you got to you got to pick and choose your battles. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Or send your uh, or send one of your family members out to do it like that guy apparently <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, let's just real quick before we get into I want to talk about some of the local drivers in Ohio that, that I know people know. But I wanted to just real quick to kind of put a fine point on it. So you get into the A main. I, I got to see this firsthand, but explain to people like you guys are changing a lot of things on the car. I mean, obviously, you know, you probably won't change a tire necessarily. It depends on the race, depends on the track, but you will, sometimes you'll change things. Like I know you guys changed out the gear, the, the gear oil, right. In the, in the rear end gear, right. Like, or you'll sometimes change the gears themselves. Like explain the gear ratio. Yeah. Gear ratio. Yeah. So explain to people kind of how, how quickly you can do some of these repairs on your car or some of the changes you can make when you're at the track. Yeah. So, the tracks change so much from the beginning of the night, from the time we show up and, and practice through qualifying to the end of the A main. The tracks usually have slowed down a considerable amount, and there's a lot less grip on the track. So um, there's a lot of different variables we can change. The, the biggest is the tires, and, and people new to sprint cars will see that, that the tire, the rear tires are different sizes. They're called staggered. Um, hey, wonder where anybody go. got a name for a podcast, right? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we got the staggered rear tires, and we can change that level of stagger on those. So there's less or more stagger between the two tires 
to adjust how the car turns, enters and exits the corner. Um, we have adjustments where we can move those tires inside and outside on the axle so we can actually change the spacing. So the right rear wheel is farther away from the car or closer to the car based on the, the track conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, shocks, torsion bars are stuff that we change often on the suspension. Um, we're changing those between um, every time we're on the track, just adjustments on the shocks. Most of them are adjustable. Uh, so we're not actually physically changing a shock. We're turning a knob on it to make an adjustment on it. And like Bone said, the uh, gear ratio. So one thing on a sprint car is um, your typical street car, the differential, changing a gear ratio on that is extremely challenging. Mm. Um, on a sprint car and a lot of other dirt classes, we'll use what's called a quick change rear end. And this quick change essentially has a, a cover with eight, bol- eight nuts on it. You remove the eight nuts. Um, your two gears are sitting in there. Pull them out. Put two more in. Um, put gear oil back in and bolt it back up and you're ready to go. It's a five minute process, less than that. If you're, if you're slick at it to change a gear on the car. <laughs> so like what gear ratios do for people who don't know your these engines, there's no transmission. There's no starter. Even in these cars, you got to be pushed to start. So it's not like if your car didn't have a transmission, it would only have think about driving in first gear in a, in a manual transmission. That's what your car would be in. That's what a sprint car is in all the time. For people who don't understand that, like why, what would make you change a gear from like a higher gear ratio to a lower gear ratio or vice versa? What would be something that would cause that? Sure. So we, with our engines, we have set RPMs we're trying to reach on the straightaways at certain points. Um, We actually have a device in the car, a little tachometer that'll tell us um, what our average low RPM was for a lap and what our high RPM was for a lap. So it'll tell us what our RPMs the motor was turning coming out of the corner and what it was turning at the end of the straightaway. And if that's too low, um, at the end of the straightaway, for example, we'll add or take gear out to get it to go more RPMs at the end of the straightaway to carry more speed at the end. Yeah. Um, and we'll do that different ways to, to, to change how the motor drives as well. Um, taking gear out, it can create more of a compression break on the engine. So you think about when you let off the throttle um, with that gear ratio change, it's going to slow down quicker than with a, a taller gear in there. You do this if you need to run the bottom at some tracks where you need to slow down really quickly, but you don't want to use a whole ton of brake to do that. You so, I mean, these are these are not the same technologies, but in a way, like how there's a you know an engine brake on a semi truck, like same concept. You're changing the compression to allow the car to slow down without you actually having to jab the brakes as you're doing it, or you might then you can jab the brakes to set the car up slightly differently. But it it's already going to have you down where you want to be. That's See, this is the this is the fascinating stuff to me. All the little technical adjustments that can make. So this is what you and your dad, or you know, if you're one of these other teams, you you and eighteen other guys are all <laughs> at one time trying to figure out like, yes. what are we doing tonight? What do we need here? Yeah. Let me take so this who, gear who out. Who is your engineer again? And your truck driver? You guys <laughs> <get those> right? <laughs> so so yeah. right now my operation, I've got I've got it's three guys it's me um my dad who, who runs the the crew chief Your dad tony chief, and slash uh truck driver slash truck main <laughs> main mechanic yeah uh, <laughs> which call him slash there you um, go slash yeah and we got a new guy on the team uh dorian george who's been helping this year at the track a little oh bit. awesome so we've got a guy cool. coming around um doing some help with maintenance at the track and whatnot one of my good friends cutting tires and things like that probably That's yeah good. yeah just see what the stress off me at the track because between yeah 
you know, all the money I've got invested in it and, and the setup stuff, helping dad and everything. Yeah. There's you just, just some fo- stuff. You mean that focus on driving when you get to the track? That's a, <laughs> yeah. what a crazy concept. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I can focus on, on driving the race car. It's, it's really helpful to have another person there helping dad. So yeah, I, cool. I never really realized how much time and effort took in between that. Like there's a reason sometimes why, you know, it's good to have that half hour between the A and the B to redo oh, the track man. and put the moisture in or the, yeah. that, even if it's that hour, you want the track a, you want to be right. But B you guys need all that time and help because it, if you're putting a new right rear on, you got to cut that, that tire. And, and, and if you want to explain really quickly what, what cutting the tread is, it's a tedious process, but it gives you that a little bit more grip, allows the, the, the car, the tire to expand a little bit. Yeah. We'll do it two different ways on the rear tires. Um, we'll either actually physically cut new grooves into the tire. So the tires themselves, they come grooved. Um, there's blocks on them that are roughly an inch and a half by the inch and a half for the actual tread. Um, if you think of your street tire, there's blocks that are inch and a half all the way around it. Um, we'll cut different grooves to make those blocks smaller. If a track has a lot of moisture and we really need to tear into the track. So we're creating more edges for that to Mm -hmm. dig into. Um, if a track stays really juiced up all night, a lot of moisture, it's getting big cushion on it. We want to be able to tear through that as much as possible. The opposite side of that is what we'll do is called siping the tire. Um, and what this is, we use really, really tiny razor blades. I mean, they're, they're really tiny. Um, and we'll actually run them across the edge of the tire and it doesn't create another groove. It creates a micro slice across the tire, Mm. just a razor blade cut. What that allows is the tire to build heat faster. Mm. Um, so when the track's really slick and we need to get the tire hot quicker and get more grip quickly, especially in the feature when we have a full fuel load, um, we'll sipe the tires to get generate heat quicker. And, and you can go too far with that. You can go too light with that. It's, it's kind of a, a, an art form yeah. figuring out how much, do, what do I need to do this tire to get it ready for this track surface? To, mm-hmm. And you can go too far and turn your, right, your tire into a drag slick by the end of the night. Yeah. Yeah. You could, yeah. that would not be ideal. Yeah. Cause you guys do run tread on the tire. Like you said, not, uh, not a slick necessarily like, uh, you've seen a lot of other series, but it's so much fun to learn about this uh, for me, at least. I mean, I think for any kid who's into, you know, any of the STEM stuff and like love science. I mean, I, I truly would say to any parents that are listening, if you have a kid, like come out to a track and, you know, if you see Ryan there, maybe, maybe you can't talk to Ryan at every race. Cause you know, there's a lot going on, but I'm sure like just to watch these guys work on these cars and see all the technical things that go into it. There is a lot of science involved. It's, it's science it that's kind of learned over the years through experience. You know, I don't think you guys are necessarily cooking up, a bunch of you know math equations here and there but like we just talked about compression ratios that's literally a math equation like you have to know what those compression ratios are and why they do what they do to help slow your engine down um so yeah i'm sure you guys may not have a wind tunnel to figure out drag coefficients but like you were talking about the wing you know for a fact that if you slide it a certain way it does a certain thing to your car so maybe let's talk about yeah. that real quick yeah so the top wing um the obvious thing on a wing sprint car the massive wing on top that's the first thing yeah. everybody says when they see them is all oh, those things are the big the big funny wings on top of them yeah right <laughs> so it's 25 square foot five feet by five feet um it's basically like carrying a barn door around but all that is doing is just giving downforce to the car um, i tell people to think about if you're driving down the highway 60 miles an hour roll your window down and stick your hand down facing downward outside and see how much the air pushes your hand down that's the concept there. It's pushing the car into the track. Um, what we do, we have an adjustment within the car where we can move the wing forward and back as the race goes on. Um, 
typically the reason we do this is because of the fuel load in the car. So the cars weigh 1400 pounds, um, between 1400 and 1500 with me in it, which is, (laughs) which is just no number one, just to think about a, an entire car that as how many horsepower does your engine typically generate? Uh, most of them are over 900. Um, some guys are getting over a thousand at this point. So almost double, <laughs> almost double what a NASCAR cup I, engine has. It's, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's right. I mean, like for people who don't know a, a NASCAR that you're going to watch at Las Vegas this weekend runs a five, they're running a 550 horsepower engine. You're talking yeah. about a, an engine that is twice that almost. And in a car, NASCAR cup car weighs 3,400 pounds. Your guy's car weighs 2000 pounds less with twice the horsepower and it's on dirt. Good luck with I, all I, that. You, that's why you need that big wing. Because I mean, well, and I know there are guys that you know. Obviously, there's non-wing sprint cars too. Those guys are just. Those are all just. Yeah. They're psychopaths. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you take yes, the wing are. off your car. Yeah, you just I, lose I, your. I you just lose Racers your mind. Are crazy. <laughs> no, but anybody, <laughs> anybody hops. You guys in the sprint car world are just on another level for me. So. Yeah. I have a hard enough time keeping the car on the ground with a wing. I don't need to be taking my wings off. That's, yes. that's just- <laughs> right. I know it's so crazy. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So that's so that's part of what you're doing with that. But then you can you can move it back and forth, right? I mean that's yeah. So we run thirty gallons of fuel to start a feature. Um, generally, everywhere um, the, the the engines will burn about um, a gallon every half a lap to a lap, depending on the size of the track. Um, and 30 gallons of fuel in a 1,500-pound car, if you think about that, is a massive weight distribution. Mm, sure, yeah. 30 pounds. The fuel typically weighs about 7 pounds a gallon. So you've got about 200 pounds sitting behind you. Um, as that fuel load starts to burn off, that's will start to move the wing back on the car. And that's another art form is figuring out the right time to do that as you're pulling that wing back to get more downforce, more weight on the rear tires that was previously there from the fuel that had burned off. Um, and also as the track slickens off and slows down, it helps get more downforce to the rear tires, help you get better traction coming off the corner, keep the car straight on corner entry. Um, all the things you want, you know, we see the cars going, going sideways, um, around the track, but the goal is to keep them as absolute dead straight as possible. I mean, that's yeah. always the goal anywhere and keeping traction and keeping your car able to go straight and, that's where we'll, we'll make the wing adjustments. Well, that's why, I mean, if you watch a sprint car race, you will occasionally see a guy flying around, ripping the top. And uh, what do they say? You know, run the top for show, run the bottom for dough, right? I mean, you got to, mm-hmm. you because if you're running the top, you are sideways. It looks cool. All those pictures that you see on T-shirts, that's where they get them is those guys running the top. But some of the smartest drivers out there and the guys who really have their cars hooked up, they'll just be putting around on the bottom, look like they're doing nothing. But their car's going straight. Running the top sells T-shirts. Running the bottom pays the bills. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely it. So oh, I think okay. it's and of course I mean, you know and the best at- the best drivers can do and the best cars when they're set up right. You can run anywhere and sometimes and that's what you have to run four different lines sometimes depending on what the track's doing and where the lappers are and everything else. So it's mm. yeah usually it's, in the same race. Yeah, your, your lines will change so much throughout a thirty lap race. The track changes so much. We Our tires are 15 inches wide on these cars with 900 plus horsepower. They just blow the dirt right off the surfaces. So mm. you could be your first five laps, be working great, and then you're out to lunch after that and start falling backwards because you need to find another place to run. Mm. Um, that's, that's another part of the science to figuring out those different lines and different places on the track you need to be at the right time. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk more with Ryan Broughton. You're listening to the Stagger Podcast.
Welcome back to the Stagger Podcast. Here is more of our conversation with Ohio Sprint Car driver Ryan Broughton. The like you were talking about the weight thing, like do you like as far as how much you know the the car weighs and all that stuff? But do you ever sit there in the drive-through line going, uh, maybe I don't need the chicken nuggets today? You got you your know? you got your spit <laughs> jug with you on the yeah. way up to Fremont. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the hard parts. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, a bigger guy physically. I'm six one, two hundred fifteen pounds. You know, I played football all through high school and everything. You know got a football player build and driving race cars you look at some of these guys and they're, they're like jockeys i mean they're, they're yeah. five six 130 pounds soaking wet so there, yeah. there's certainly an advantage there but then you look at guys like donnie shot you know donnie's lost some weight but donnie's physically a, a chunkier guy and he dominated the world of outlaws for the past 15 years so oh yeah, yeah. there's there's a, tony stewart there's, a, there's a place yeah. for the chunky guys right isn't i mean tony stewart obviously dominic <laughs> yeah. selzy's a, a bigger guy right i mean yep. not, as far as racers go not. steve steve kenzer not i won't say he's a bigger guy but he he's not super skinny either and you had a you you've raced with steve kenzer before and you've had some some yeah. cool interactions with drivers so as we talk about these big name drivers uh who's some of the ones that you've gotten to dust up with that you've enjoyed racing against and and uh, you know, tell us some of those stories that you have. I think Derek's Steve. calling. I just want to say, I think Derek's calling Steve Kinzer facts. He called him a big name. That's wow. He's a, Way to fat shame, Derek. Jeez. <laughs> you know, hey, I'll real quick aside. Last autograph I ever asked for. Uh, last autograph was Steve Kinzer. I got a, wow. like, a little license plate. Oh, I, I saw him at Attica. I was like, that, that, that's Steve Kinzer. That, that's that's Steve one where okay. he's one of those I ran guys out where got a, whatever I got you have in your hand, whatever you have in your hand, you're like, can you sign this, please? I just yeah. want to, I'll just take that. You're a legend. That, yeah. That dude is, is the epitome of a straight up man. I mean, I would not mess with him in any way. Shape, or form. He's, he is a true badass. Yeah. Um, so what was it yeah, like we, racing against him? So, yeah, it was, I got a race with Steve, um, just before he retired, um, at an all-star show. And it was actually, we got a, I traded side jobs for the lead with, with Steve Kinzer at an all-star race. Um, wow. would have been 2015. Um, this would have been probably my first big all-star race where we really made some noise. Um, went out, won our heat race, um, finished second, the dash ended up passing Kevin Swindell. And I think Sheldon, I think I passed Sheldon in the dash. So ended up starting on the front row on the pole, Steve Kinzer starting second, me, <laughs> um, <laughs> something else. So we go out, this is, a, this is at Chillicothe at atomic speedway. And we push out, um, for the feature, we go out, line up for the pace laps. We do the four wide salute, all that, get the one to go signal. So I'm sitting there next to Steve Kinzer and they throw the yellow flag back on. Jack Oddenshield had his belt set came undone during the feature or while we were rolling around. So Jack pulled off the inside and stopped to get his belts undone. So I'm sitting there for a solid five laps, just idling around <laughs> next to Steve Kinzer the whole time, just looking over. Like I've watched this guy race my entire life. He's been doing this 20 years before I was born, just intimidated as hell the whole time. <laughs> right. Sure. I can't believe this is happening right now. Uh, I ended up taking off and, um, Trade slide jobs with him for the lead. I got a little go out of whack with the fuel load. I think Dale Blaney ended up winning that night. Um, nice. This was when Dale was dominating around Ohio. Yeah, he, um, he, the low rider. He was. Yeah, he was. Ended he up was. running six in the feature that night and got a pass Steve later on in the race. Um, we both sort of fell back. And I will tell you that man in all my years of racing is the hardest person I've ever encountered to pass. Mm. He made a car 10 lane, 10 lanes wide on a five lane racetrack. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And at that point, Steve was getting older. He was in his late fifties, his vision. You know, he, he wasn't the Steve Kinder of, of uh, 1995, but right. it, 
he made it damn hard to pass him. <laughs> it was right. <laughs> well, you know, because you mentioned Kevin Swindell there, and and obviously Steve Kinzer, some of these names. I think of you know you mentioned Kevin and his dad, you know Sammy Swindell, yeah. legend as well. Uh, you know, who I'm sure you've also probably had a chance to drive against him at some, at some points. He's he's almost everywhere. So yep, I assume you've run against him many a time. But you know, those guys back in the day, we, we talk a lot of NASCAR on the program and all that. They're covering Bristol in dirt. And I'm sure you remember old TNN, Eli yes. Gold, where they ran, you know, the Bristol dirt race with those outlaw sprint cars with the 410s like what you drive. Could you imagine going around when you watch that race now, if you've seen it on YouTube or any of that? Can you imagine getting in one of the cars that you're in and and going and running a Bristol in the speeds that they were running, which, again, they're going to go do this year as well. Uh, the outlaws are going to head there, but. That's just I, I just look at that and still in a minute. I know you guys go fast. I know Eldora is crazy, right? But I mean I would think Bristol covered in dirt is even crazier than that. It's <laughs> I'm nervous about what's coming up. The speeds that they're gonna reach that place are gonna be something we haven't seen in a long time. Mm. Um they're I think every bit are gonna be faster than they were twenty years ago. You know, we're at a point of sprint cards now where we're breaking twenty year old track records on half miles that we never thought would be broken. Mm. Eldora's track record was broken this year. Williams Groves was. Um, I think you'll see every bit of sprint cars doing 175 miles an hour on that place. Um, if not, if not faster. And, and again, y'all, I don't, I don't know if people can process that. Like 175 miles an hour is faster than what the Cup Series is running at a mile and a half track this weekend on <laughs> yes, asphalt with slicks, not on is dirt that? with tread and tires. Like I, I gotta. Yeah. You're, you're, I don't think you're wrong there either, but I mean, yeah, it's got to be a sub 10 second lap, right? And well, no, because in 2000, uh, when they ran there before, I think the fastest they were clocking them then with a radar was at 168 at the end of the straight away. Okay. And okay. 2000 with 200 less horsepower. Good night. <laughs> Good wow. night. It's, well, I, I hope that yeah. the first 30 uh, rows are empty. And I hope, yeah, that, yeah I'm, I'm, uh, I'm now hearing that stat, I'm nervous as well. I, well, I ran and, some and, half mile stuff. And they're these cars do weird things at 135, 140 miles an hour. Um, when you get them trimmed out, going that fast, they want to move around a lot. And I, I, I can't imagine adding that that extra 40 miles an hour there. I mean, that's yeah. no, it's incredible. So well, it, you know, when someone blows by you and you're like, "How that guy's a maniac? What's he doing?" Pro <laughs> probably 10 more than what you're doing is the answer yeah. on that. And now you're talking adding 40 miles an hour to cars that are already insane, like you said. So well, that's what I'm trying to give people the idea of just how much more speed we're talking here. It's it's unreal. Well, and, and this also brings insight to the whole invite only world of outlaws I, yes, yes, at Bristol, yes. because uh, like you are sitting here being reasonable and saying, hey, I'm nervous to, to get out there. I'm nervous for the race. Not necessarily nervous to get out there. I'm sure if you had Tony Stewart racing equipment behind you, you'd be out there and running and and maybe still have some trepidation, but you'd feel a little bit better about getting out there and running. But you know there's probably going to be one or two or five or 20 guys and gals are like, hey, I've got that car that can pass tech. I want to go race at Bristol. And that could be a, a, stitch, a liability situation because if you don't have the parts and pieces that are designed for that, it, it really could be a dangerous spot, not just for that driver, but also for the drivers around them and other track personnel and things like that. So that's why I think it makes sense to make an invite only because – Yes, you, you got to be safe and you got to have really good equipment to make it around there safely. Yeah, 100 percent. I could go down there and, you know, we could be competitive. I think we got motors that can run with those guys. Um, you know, we'd probably be doing 160 miles an hour, but 
the problem, there's two problems. That one is stuff goes wrong at that speed. Um, you know, I work full time, obviously. So I have to consider that I could be out of a job really quickly if I'm right. laid up in a hospital for a long time or whatever right. else. Sure. And two, you know, I could get up to that speed, but if guys like, uh, you know, the Celsius and Reitzels and them are doing 175, that closing speed is still significant on that big of a track. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you know, it's just too, too sketchy for, for a guy yeah. like me to commit to it. I mean, I've got yeah. friends who are upset that they can't go race it, but I'm like, yeah. the conversations I've had with them are like, do you really need to be there? It's, it's <laughs> right. the thing. You know, well, you know, yeah. and I, I think it's I think this goes back to that whole thing. The respect level that that we as fans have for racers is, you know, just the fact that guys are willing to go out and do what you're doing on the weekends. You know, it's mm -hmm. a it's a it's a dangerous sport. There's no getting around it. It's a tough sport and it's a physically demanding sport. It's not easy to wheel one of these things around. I mean, I know you said some of these guys are, you know, five foot six, 130 pounds, but those guys have to be built like, you know, little wireframes, you know, of, of just corded steel to be able to turn these things. You know, like you said, yeah. a lot of the old school guys were built like football players, Steve Kinzer's of the world, because you had to be to muscle these things around. So, you know, just just the the respect we have for the drivers who go out there and put it on the line week in, week out at the local shows. Yeah, I don't think Bristol's wrong for saying, yeah, we're, we're going to just make sure that the guys who come here know what they're doing. We've seen them handle these cars at high speeds. And also we know the equipment's mm -hmm. going to be there. You know, there's not going to be somebody running out there with a half bent frame saying, no, 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 it's good. I can make it like, yeah. you don't want that going at 140, let alone at 160, 170. So yeah, yeah I think it's the right call too, but that's a really good perspective that uh, yeah. hadn't considered from, from the racers for the most part, it's, it's been a pretty popular decision. I mean, I've heard guys, a few local guys, you know, who have got upset about it. But the biggest upset about it has been a lot of fans who who don't under don't think through that. And you know, but from the racer perspective, I don't think there's a lot of guys who have a major problem with it. We all understand that. Uh, that now, what are we talking? Do you know? The, do we know how many invite? Like, it's probably still going to be 30, 40 invites. I'm guessing. At yeah, least. You, you're not going to be missing anybody you'd want to see. I mean, right. all 15 of the outlaws are going to be there. Um, the the top of the all star guys are going to be there. Um, I would say Hendrick's not going to let Kyle Larson run run the sprint car there. <laughs> he may not. Yeah. yeah, may <laughs> um, not. May not. I I could see that being a, a contentious you know moment uh, there yeah. in the meeting. Room I know Kyle's like, running the the super late model for um for the Rumley guy at the World of Outlaw late model show, but I, cool. I yeah yeah and Kyle Larson has different, been different animal out there. He yeah. got out there on the late models and you know what was it few handful of races and I think by the fifth second, or sixth, second start. Second star was the one he won. <laughs> beat, the, against, beat the best in against the, the world of outlaws in late models, not running yeah, at a yeah. local track. Which I yeah. just, if anybody could understand that again, just think about all the times you've seen some of these guys who have, you know, run the the dirt trucks at Eldora, the the truck series when they ran at Eldora, and it's like, well, we got to get this truck. You know, like Matt Crafton would go run. Um, I think he'd run like a dirt modified or something just to get yeah. ready for it. And they talked about how like he got his ass kicked a few times because it's tough in the dirt modified. And this is a guy who's driven, you know, in all levels of racing for many, many years. And he struggled with it. And Kyle Larson just hops in a dirt late model and off he goes. Second yeah. race of the year. It, it has to hurt. It has to hurt those guys feelings because they're the absolute best at what they do. I mean, yeah, yeah. they're they're. Super late models, arguably, there's more money in that than there is in sprint cars, just by some of the payouts that they run and stuff. These right. guys are, are professionals. They do it for a living. And to have somebody jump in and 
come out and spank you. That's got to be hard to accept. And I, I don't think it could go the other way around. I don't think one of the super late model guys could jump in a sprint car, even at a local show mm-hmm. and, and have success like he has. It, yeah, it, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. It, it, he's he's truly uh, incredible to watch there. Him and, and Christopher Bell, who just got his first win in the Cup Series running on the road course. I, I have said Christopher Bell is one of the most incredible drivers I've watched just from the fact that he shows up, hasn't seen the car that he's going to hop mm-hmm. into, and within five laps, he's got that thing set in quick time and, and just unreal. I mean, what are your thoughts on guys like Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell dropping into the local shows? Does that does that bother you guys as local drivers, or do you kind of enjoy the challenge when those guys show up? No, you enjoyed the challenge, certainly. I mean, Larson this year with how ridiculous he got with his winning, when he pulled in the pits, you were kind of like, I ah, great here he is again but <laughs> yeah you I know mean, what's it, gonna it's, happen sure you know, this year he, he he made us all look silly all year long um but those two guys the level of talent they have i mean i've raced with a lot of guys over the years um some made it to nascar or whatever else to, throughout my time and I, i've never seen anything like those two mm. um the stuff they can do in a race car from somebody who drives one of these you just look at them like how do they do that like and i I've had this conversation with Dale Blaney, um, five-time all-star champion, hundred times winner at the all-stars, one of the greatest sprint car drivers to ever live. Yep. Um, after Portsmouth, after Larson went down there, he just, I was looking like, how does he do that? And he's like, I, I wish I knew I'd still be racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to know, man. It is hard to know, uh, how guys can be that good. But, uh, yeah, right now the, I think the sprint car world is in very good shape with the, the young talent that's coming through, the established guys that are running up in the Cup Series who have cut their teeth in that series, and, of course, you know, the, the big-name guys like we talked about with Donnie Schatz and David Gravel and all these guys who have just, you know, and Aaron Reitzel. Like, there's there's tons of talent in this field up and down. But also, in the state of Ohio, where you primarily run, I mean, there's some there's some guys here that are really good that I think maybe people who just follow the national scene or maybe don't follow sprint car racing might not know to look for. So if you're someone who's a NASCAR fan who's never watched a dirt race, but now they want to because they've heard us talking to you for an hour, um, <laughs> who are some guys other than Ryan Broughton? When you go to the track, yeah. you're likely to see at an Ohio track who people should be looking out for to watch them put on a show. Yeah. First one um, out of you know, out of here in Columbus is Cole Duncan, um, one of my mm-hmm. good buddies. He's probably one of the best, if not the best car in Ohio at this point. Um, you'll see Cole all over the state. He he can run with the All-Stars. He can run with the Outlaws. He's won one All-Star races. Um, Cole actually ran, what, fourth in the Kings Royal a few years ago. Oh, he was, yeah, he was leading it. I, yeah. I was hoping that he would pull that one off. That was pretty <laughs> insane. But, yeah, he, was, he had a great run a few years ago. You're right. Cole and I are pretty tight. We kind of um, – had the same type of operation you know, his deals him and his dad pretty much they both work full-time and put everything they got in their operation so we're pretty close on on that aspect kind of the, the shared shared experiences we've had um you know I, I have a ton of respect for him and his dad rodney was a, a great racer um in the 80s and 90s and so you know cole's one of the big hitters in ohio um in the southern central ohio area in the northern ohio area at attic fremont um cap henry He's been around for uh, 15 years now. I've been seeing him run, and it, it's took a while for him to get there. But the last couple of years, especially driving that whiskey wagon car, they've really hit on something good. I mean, they're they're every bit as good as Cole. And when the All Stars come to down, they're a threat to win. I think they won a couple of Speed Week races this year. Mm. 
um, as they a local did, yeah. team, won against yeah. the All Stars. Uh, you know, so all the big guys came to town, and the local team took the money. Um, <laughs> so that right now in Ohio, those two are probably, you know, the two to look out for. Another one, if you go up northern Ohio, um, the classic Byron Reed. I don't know if you guys. <laughs> oh ever yeah, seen Byron, yeah. Byron oh, yeah. Reed. Yep, for sure. Dude is um, an old school badass. He's won like twelve championships at Attica, ten at Fremont, I think. Yeah. And his cars look the same since 1987. Yeah. Yeah. It's black with a white number five. It's, it's never going to change. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Byron, yeah. he's, I think his haircut hasn't changed either since the eighties. No, he's, like he's got beautiful hair. Yeah. He's got beautiful hair. I wish I, I mean, had mine. Like couldn't that. you imagine Byron Reed in a man bun? I mean, just let it grow out, man. You could, you could, I mean, you yeah. could really t- tap into this new hippie vibe that, that we have in the 2020s, but no, he's, he's high and tight, man. I feel like yeah. <laughs> uh, the neighbor in office space was like, no, nah, man, hell no. I think you get your ass kicked for saying something like that. <laughs> yeah, man. that's that's pretty great, though. Yeah, those are all good names, though, Ryan. I, I agree with you. I think this this is uh, this is a fun time to kind of be a sprint car fan. And obviously, if you haven't traveled around much in the state, um, you know, there's 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 pockets, right? Like if you yes. go to Wayne County Speedway, that's hot and shield territory. Like you're just mm-hmm. going to see a ton of Jack and Sheldon. Um, you're going to see all their shirts all the time. Even if they're not running, there's just, that's they're They're based right out of there. That's kind of their spot. So yeah, you go to Fremont, there's guys, you go to Attica, there's guys, Southern Ohio. There's a whole different group of guys. You, you guys mm-hmm. are all a little different down there. And so Fremont <laughs> pulls that Michigan crowd too. So you got some of yeah, the guys yeah. try to come in and take the money from Ohio because we yeah, got better racing. See- You'll see guys from Western Pennsylvania come over a lot into Ohio and race here. Um, Indiana starting to see a resurgence of, of winged 410 teams based out of Indiana. So we, we'll start to see Oh, some yeah, of yeah. There's That's... actually a track opening in Indianapolis this year at Ooh. the Marion County Fairgrounds um, called nice. Circle City Raceway. I did not it's know that. That's cool. They're track racing in Indianapolis, wing sprint cars. They're actually bringing back – uh, you guys will get a kick out of this. They're calling it Thursday Night Thunder. Uh, wing yeah. sprint Love cars it. on Thursday That's night. That's right, yeah. So it's like um, I will be groggy on Friday morning. Now we just need yeah, someone to do um, Monday Nitro and uh, we'll be full <laughs> yeah. of WCW. That'd be WCW great. Monday Night Nitro. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now I got a question. Fans and racers and teams all had the same deal of needing to drive two to three hours at yes. night to go back somewhere. And you don't do that on an empty stomach or, you know, certainly thirsty after a race. So what is if you if you've got to go from Fremont back to back to your home area in southern Ohio, what do you where do you stop at? What's a good place you're like, hey, in this little small town of this place on this state highway, we always fuel up here and I always get a monster and a whatever. What what's your go to late night snack? So um being from Athens, Ohio, I went to school to OU and, and spent a good bit of time in Athens and there's there's one location, it's a taco chain, uh, a particular taco joint that was only in Athens and they started expanding them to some truck stops around. Taco John's. Yeah. Taco uh, John's. There's one in Circleville and there's one on 71 uh, up by Ashland at a truck stop. Yeah, I've uh, been to that. It's it's near. I think it's yep. a little south of Mansfield, maybe. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Right I know exactly. 71. I know exactly where you're talking about. Yep. And, and and my dad, he's not a big taco fan. I got him on it. So if we're coming back along there, uh, Taco John's is always our stop on, on nice. the road. Nice. Like get now. Columbus, we're getting a Sheets, so that may yep. change. That yes. may change very, very soon. Are you are you a Sheets guy or a Wawa guy? Have you had Wawa? I'm a Sheets. 
I have not had Wawa, but I am a Sheets guy. Uh, I've had that one to Pennsylvania and West Virginia before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. If I can get it, that that's definitely a preferred stop. Yeah, yeah. Sheets is, is the real deal. Someone needs to make cool. that app where it's just like for racing fans who are leaving the track. It's like <laughs> what's open app where it's just it's 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I would tell you this summer speed week was so hard because mm. it was right when the COVID stuff was really at its peak. And sure. nothing was open late. Nothing was oh, open at midnight. Yeah, I, I tried to have a good I needed uh, one of the nights. It was it was 110 degrees out in Speed Week, and I wanted to get some Pedialyte from Walmart um, after the races were over to help hydrate. And Walmart was closed, and I was, Walmart's <laughs> so closed. Jeez, like what am I gonna do, man? Come on, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, no, it's it's a tough deal, man. And, and what you guys do is very physically demanding. And yeah, you got to wear those fire suits in the middle of dead summer. Out, yeah, yeah I, I've just reaching under, grabbing uh, you know the rear end gear out and that scalding hot oils coming out of there it's a hundred degrees out yeah it's a thing it's <laughs> we it's a very different thing i think than this most summer, forms of racing we went down to tennessee and ran with the all-stars um they ran at bulls gap close to bristol um real high bank joint and i smacked the wall and qualifying real hard um ended up breaking the rear end well so I didn't have my help with me. We were in Tennessee. It was just me and dad. So we're out there, basically have the car stripped apart. And I'm parked next to none other than Tony Stewart in the deep south where everybody wants to get a glimpse of Tony. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So me and dad are there sweating our tails off, 110 degree heat in the Tennessee mountain humidity, trying to change us rear end with Ugh. every NASCAR fan standing behind us asking questions the whole time and <laughs> yeah so those, those, oh, those okay. moments are and, yeah and not like a, hey not hey, a can one you of them who said him. hey i'm a mechanic i can help you guys out right yeah can, <laughs> hey buddy can you take yeah. a picture for me i'm getting to meet tony stewart and you're like i'm sorry i've got third degree burns on my hands right now I'm, and I'm i've got a mood. fire suit on that's t- that's tied around my waist i'm just trying not to die here i'm trying to <laughs> race know, that i'm like trying a- to race that a-hole <laughs> not get his autograph what are we talking about come on man <laughs> give me a break I looked like a mess too. It was it was brutal, but and Tony was up in his trailer hiding, which you know I don't I don't blame him particularly. Yeah. Who He's wouldn't focused be on racing? Yeah, um, if I was if yeah, I was Tony Stewart, I'd I will give the, the dude, same thing. I'll give the dude maximum credit because he 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 was so intense and, and you know stayed inside the trailer all night. After the race was over, he stood around for two hours and talked to fans, took pictures. Yeah. I mean, he was available for everybody. He waited till the last person was out of line. To, that is, know, I will I will say that that's for, a PSA for all race fans. Just just hang out after the race, and yeah. a lot of these guys are going to be more than happy to take pictures, sign autographs, you know, whatever. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be really, really open to that. If you're I trying to grab them between a heat and a qualifying, and a dash and an A main, they may come off like a jerk. And they're not trying to be. They're just yeah. trying to get to the race because they got 10 minutes to line up and get pushed out. Well, some of some of them might be trying to be jerks because they are, but that's okay. It's <laughs> some of them are, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but. There, there's ones i mean totally most fine. of them will we'll give you the time for sure yeah. kyle larson he, he's great at that dale blaney was always great with that with the fans um and it's just different on personality I, there's times where i i don't i don't want to talk to anybody and you get a, a focused look or you're, you get tunnel vision on what you're focused well on. you're thinking about what you're about Sometimes to do you're trying to figure out what you need to do to your car yeah i think uh imagine you're in the middle of a big meeting at work and then someone's like hey real quick can you tell me about that time three years ago that you had a meeting and you're like what, what? no <laughs> yeah. I, Huh? Yeah, it, Can, yeah, you, why do you have a t-shirt of me on? What is this? This is so bizarre. Best, like, best but it's, thing it's I can, a good I can thing. tell race fans too is that if you are sitting there going, I wonder if they're busy. I wonder if I should reach out and talk to them. 
chances are probably go with your gut and say, yeah, they're probably busy. I'll check back with them later. Now, if they're, you know, if they're packing up from losing out the B main, you know, they might still be pissed off, but they don't have much to do. Maybe even offer to, Hey, can I help push the truck, the car up to the truck or yeah. something? You'd be surprised, especially the local guys. They're like, yeah, uh, can you, can you help us with this? That'd be great. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, you're probably always up. looking for someone yeah. who can help you out in, in a moment. If you just need someone, you know, for a couple minutes to help you lift something up or hold something so you can get, go back and get a yeah. wrench or something, whatever. Yeah, I've, I mean. I've changed a spring on a, or a spring, a shock on a car once just literally just talking to a team. They're like, yeah. Oh, Hey, uh, can you take this, uh, dry, uh, this, uh, DeWalt tool real quick. Just take that here. Hold this shock. <laughs> hey, you want to learn how to do it? I'll show you. And like, they literally just had uh lost out of the B main. They were just, yeah, they, ended up yeah, they were like, we can't get rid of them. We might as well put them to work. So <laughs> it's, it's it's fun too when you when you when you see the excitement of people who who haven't been around with sprint cars a lot. You know, sometimes we we kind of get tone deaf to to what we do. We we see these things all the time. You know, you watch we watch sprint cars. We're next to them all the time. It, it's not. It's just another car to us at this point. But when you see that excitement from somebody else, it's 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 cool to experience that and, and see that in somebody and, and talk to them about it. You know, that's yeah. I enjoy that. Well, man, Ryan, it's been a lot of fun. We appreciate you doing this and uh, look forward. Hopefully, yeah. maybe we can hit you up after that uh, Bristol Outlaws race and or maybe before the Bristol Dirt Race for the Cup guys and we can talk a little bit about what that track's going to look like because it's... I'm interested to see that. I, I, it's 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 going to be interesting. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> it has a... Let's just put it this way. It has a huge potential for shit show. It also has a huge gonna, potential yes. for being a lot of fun. So it's East it could, Tennessee in March. I'm expecting it to rain all weekend yeah. <laughs> or snow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We went to Martinsville around the same time a couple of years ago and got snowed out. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we've, yeah, we've, we've been there, yeah. done that. So for sure. All right, man. Well, thanks again. And we'll catch We'll catch up with you later on this season. No problem, man. Thank you guys. I had a great time on here and uh, it's, it's always fun to talk sprint car racing. That's it for us. Thanks again to Ryan for coming on. We look forward to talking with him again in the future. Uh, Make sure you tweet this out. If you are a Sprint Car fan, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Stagger Podcast. And of course, as always, subscribe to the podcast. However you found this one, you can find all of them. Same place. Just hit that subscribe button. Uh, We will be back on Friday previewing a big weekend in the NASCAR uh, series between the Cup Series, Xfinity, and, of course, the trucks, which I think are all Camping World trucks now. We'll talk about all of it coming up on Friday. Thanks again. You're listening to the Stagger Podcast. Till next time, stay safe and stay staggered.